You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. A special episode this week of Socks in the Basement. Uh, Dave could not make it, and so my good friend, who I, I we randomly met each other in the middle of a desert in Bakersfield, California, and for some reason have still kept in touch all these years later, Mike Riccardotti, otherwise known as the Common Man from 97.1 FM, the fan that's the ESPN affiliate out in Columbus, Ohio. He's a big star. I'm a guy who sits in my basement doing a podcast, but he's also originally from the south side of Chicago and loves the Chicago White Sox so much that you actually talk about them in Columbus, Ohio, like they're like one of the main teams you discuss. Am I right, Mike? Well, I try not to because who the hell cares? Once in a while, I'll throw like a Ricky boys don't print and nobody cares whenever I say Ricky boys don't print. <laughs> what do you think about the moves that Han made before the trade deadline? Because they were little moves, but I think they really speak to he's almost playing video game general manager baseball like I I sit around and play when I was you know lazy bored and didn't have kids I'd play MLB the show on my PlayStation and I would play like a full season and I would want to build up my farm system so I would I deal a couple of guys to get one good player and then I deal that guy at the trade deadline and the computer would accept those deals because the numbers all lined up but somehow I could build up my farm system with just these weird little maneuvers he kind of did that with Soria he got rid of like a mid-level talent in Jake Peter to get Soria and Avalon and then turned around and traded Soria to go get a guy who was 13th ranked prospect, now 19th in our system I'm seeing as a pitcher, plus a nice player that that's sitting in rookie ball that seems to be, you know, he's, he's at least a nice depth piece that could turn into something. That's a lot better than what you gave away less than a year ago to get to, to in the in the initial trade. What do you think about the job Han's doing? Well, it's all speculative right now, but I, I think this is what Rick Han always wanted to do, and he was never allowed to do it. Whether it was Kenny, whether it was Jerry, and they didn't want to pull the plug on what they had, but... I think now he's finally doing it. And you know, working in radio before, right, is that as a creative guy, you just want to be able to succeed or fail on your own terms, right? You want to be given the flexibility to go out there and either be very successful or fail, but you want to know that you did it your way. And I think that's what Rick Hahn is doing right now, where he's saying, look, this may work, it may not work, but for the first time in my career with this organization, I know this is my plan. And so I'm going to stick with my plan. I have faith in myself. Hopefully it works. But if it doesn't, I know that you know I'm hanging myself with my own rope, so to speak. Did you see, though, that there was a Kenny sighting this week? Like he just popped up. Like well, he can't, he can't stay away. He jumped in and he started board, acting so like he, this was all his idea. Like he was like, he was like, oh, we're being double patient with our prospects, and 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 he starts like giving. He's basically just repeating stuff that Han has said, but he got himself in front of some microphones and made sure people remembered he was still there. Now Kenny Williams is the only guy that can make Ozzie Guillen look like the bashful one. It's all <laughs> it's all about him all the time, right? It is. It is always about him. Like here, here's a guy that you know when he had all those prospects at the beginning of the year, he was sitting there and he's going, "Man, we could deal with a couple of these guys and get a couple of veterans." And I, man, I could do a lot with this team right now. And and and, and they have to like lock him in a closet and stop him for giving away the talent. And now that you're starting to see things like how Eloy's playing 
and 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 how some of like Dylan Cease looks really really good right now, even though it's double A. And Basabi has that really nice game in the futures game, and the sacks are getting this buzz. And every time you look at like any kind of list that anybody puts out, they say they're one of the top three organizations, farm systems, depth, prospects in 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 baseball. And, and now it's like Kenny's like, oh, well, this is working out. Give me some microphones that I can stand in front of, you know. And and he's and he's waxing poetic about about this, and I. I feel like, and I don't know if I'm crazy, but I feel like he hasn't really been as involved in this as he would want people to believe. I don't think he's involved at all. I think that once in a while he shows up just to sort of feed his own ego, and you know maybe he'll go into the old man and take credit for some of this stuff, but I don't think Jerry's stupid. I think he knows who's really the architect behind this, and he probably humors Kenny because he's got the relationship with him, and Jerry's a very loyal guy most of the time to a fault. I find it interesting, though, that Jerry comes out with comments like, oh, I like Ozzy, but Ozzy could never come back and work for this organization. Yet he continues just to keep Kenny around, and I don't know why. Well, it's the same thing of like how he always used to sit around and say, the biggest mistake I ever made was picking Hawk Harrelson over Tony La Russa. And then he went and he did yeah. it again. Then he, then he went and he yeah. did it again. And, and, and so I, I don't get it. I, I, I don't think you and I will ever get it. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you here is that now Hall of Fame weekend just happened. And Jim Tomey is up there and he played for the Sox for a couple of years. He was a contributor. He didn't, you know, we, we, we made it to the play. The last time we made it to the playoffs, Jim Tomey was on the team. He had that monstrous home run. There's a plaque out there, you know, how far it landed out in center field. And I was amazed that MLB network and anytime you saw any highlights on there, they showed every other team, including the Minnesota Twins. They showed him in a Twins uniform and highlights. There was never one highlight with him in a White Sox uniform. Jim Tomey had some big numbers with the Sox. I mean, yeah. he's not, uh, if, if we're making the all-time list, right, even in the last 20 years, I know some people would put him, put him out there. I, I wouldn't. I mean, I have Frank and Canerco there. I think that, you know, as White Sox fans, we've been spoiled with good talent at that position over the years. But Jim Tomey certainly had some excellent years i remember that home run and that was the that was game 163 right against the twins yes. also in that game you had old man river ken griffey jr throwing out a runner at the plate but yeah he had some memories with the Sox. i i don't know i probably not we're not going to see a guy like canerco or mark burley get in the hall of fame so i hope white Sox fans got to enjoy a little bit of that this weekend yeah i, I did i just there, i don't know it just it irked me that every i mean i was watching it and and it's like every every player they showed every team the guy you played. You know why on. it irked you? Because you're a damn White Sox fan, and everything irks you. It does. That's that's in our DNA. And it, <laughs> stop stop trying to explain it away. That's just who we are. That's all my Cubs fans' friends say. Oh, you're a White Sox fan. You have small man syndrome. Yeah, if you grew up in a city where you were outnumbered ten to one by assholes like you, you'd have small man syndrome too. <laughs> It's true. It's true, Mike. You got me. You got me. I'm sitting here and I'm trying to be like, you know, reasonable and everything like that. But why is it that they have everybody in everybody else's uniform? I don't expect you to put a White Sox hat on him. But for crying out loud, you showed Minnesota Twins highlights with Jim Tomey during his during his induction ceremony. There was a one time he was in a he actually his daughter comes up and sings the national anthem and they announce that she's going to school in Chicago. He lives here. He's more active in the White Sox organization than anywhere else. And there wasn't one image of him in a White Sox uniform the entire Hall of Fame weekend. It aggravated me. It's like we're the forgotten team. Because the whole world is against us. And yes, we're the forgotten team. Did you remember a couple years ago when the Cubs went to the World Series and they're talking about how no Chicago team has been there since 1908? <laughs> and I'm what, what the hell are you talking about? Right. E ESPN we won forgets the World us all Series. the time. Did you forget all about this? We won the damn 
World Series. Not only did we win the World Series, we swept the World Series. We went eleven and one in the postseason, and I always see the stat like, 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 like the the last time somebody challenged it, they're like, only team never go uh, only with one loss through the uh, postseason in the modern era are the nineteen ninety nine Yankees, and I'm like, no. Us too. We're forgotten in everything. Forgotten in forgotten in everything, and people have like a, a a memory of like the last five years. And then if it didn't happen in the last five years, they don't know. I was talking to somebody not too long ago. We were talking about, you know, oh, you're from Chicago. Are you a Cubs fan? I said, no, I'm a White Sox fan. He goes, oh, White Sox fan. I've never met one of those in the wild. I'm like, screw you, dude. <laughs> and then we were then we were talking about how they won the World Series, and he didn't believe me that the White Sox won the World Series. He said, when did the White Sox win the World Series? I said, 2005, they beat the Astros. He said, ha you're lying. They couldn't have beat the Astros. The Astros in the American League. <laughs> you dumbass. <laughs> hey, this is Acoustic Mike from Broadcast Basement, and you're listening to Socks in the Basement with Chris and his buddy Dave. I did the Broadcast Basement with Chris for 10 years, and nobody gave me a show. I'd leave if I had anything else to do with my life. Remember, the Broadcast Basement is available everywhere podcasts can be found and always at BroadcastBasement.com. Mike Riccardotti, Chicago native, 97.1 FM, the fan, afternoon host. He's the god of Columbus uh, sports radio. What do you think about the, the, the fan fever that's going on right now to to bring up Eloy Jimenez, like, now. Like, for some reason, uh, social media has been ridiculous. Like, they thought that at the trade deadline, the Sox were just going to clear the decks and bring up Eloy and bring up Michael Kopech and everything. With it. We're 18 months into this rebuild. Let's start winning. And it, it makes no sense to me. What's your take on that? Well, the Michael, Michael Kopech thing's not going to happen. I know he's looked better as of late, but this is a guy who early in the season was struggling to throw strikes. So just now he's had some good starts under his belt, but his ERA is still over four, so he's nowhere near ready to come up now. Eloy Jimenez I kind of get just because the dude has raked at every single level, and even though White Sox fans knew what this was going to be, or at least they thought they knew, watching it every single night, is really damn painful. It is for me, and I'm I'm watching it from afar. I don't have to deal with it on local media and deal with all the cubby talk all the time to make you nauseous. And White Sox fans probably just want to feel relevant again, and that's why they're getting a little impatient. So I understand it, even though it's probably not in the best interest of the long-term plan. I just think it's kind of crazy to bring them up, and I feel like I'm in the minority whenever I, I mean, like, I'm back. I'm back in the Twitter sphere again now. It's I I I stayed away from it for so long, but now that we're doing a Sox podcast, and and I had another conversation with the team this week, I, we finally have been kicked up to the high higher ups for approval to start actually having guests on this podcast. But I I actually like the idea that they're keeping him down. I I don't I don't see the need to rush yet because you're not winning anything this year, and I don't think you're winning anything next year. But people are like, oh no, we got to get him up here. We got to get rid of this guy. We got to get rid of that guy. We got to bring him up we got to make all these moves let's get these stars up right now you're it, those same people are the same people who sit there and tell me that Mankata sucks those are the same people who'll sit there and they'll be like man Mankata was a, was a terrible trade so you didn't rush Mankata but you but but it's it's time for Eloy I, I just feel like that the logic is way off base right now 
No, I, I understand, and patience is a tough thing, but that's what White Sox fans have to deal with right now. We've really never seen anything like this, right? I mean, we've been saying that we wanted to see it when they would just try and put some Band-Aids on the gunshot wound and tell us they were going to compete, and none of us really believed it. We were waiting for this, but now that we're in it, we've never really been this bad before, right? And it's it's hard to see. And so I understand the impatience, but I agree with you, you have to stay the course and stay the plan. If we're still at this place next year, though, and we're looking at this same win-loss record after the All-Star break and seeing relatively little progress from the guys that we do bring up, then it maybe is time to start thinking about hitting that panic button. Well, I think that, to me, this year was going to be what it is. I, 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 I know there was all the false hope at the beginning of the year, like, we're going we're gonna to surprise people. I, I didn't see that happening. But and I've given Renteria a pass all year long, but I think you're right. If next year all of a sudden we start bringing up people, we don't see some sort of uh, improvement. I'm not talking even playoffs next year. I'm just talking improvement. Then you have to sit there and say, okay, what what is the what is wrong here, and who's a, who's a problem? And and if it's Daryl Boston and his whistle, get rid of him. Okay, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I I still haven't figured out what he's doing. There. I was at a game last. I was at a game last week. Maybe it was two weeks ago. You would get a kick out of this. I'm sitting there. I'm with my kids. I'm watching the Sox and. Boston somehow, with one out, got the base runner thrown out, hung up in between first and second on a routine fly ball to center field. Somehow, that runner took off, and the first, I don't know what he was doing. Maybe he was looking for his whistle. Maybe he dropped his whistle on the grass. I have no idea what he was doing. But all of a sudden, his guy is caught off base on a simple routine fly ball that he should have never have gone anywhere on because it was clearly going to get caught. And yet... I mean, he he's on my list of people that I'm still sitting there going, okay, well, I mean, I can ex- I can excuse it this year, but but next year none of this stuff is acceptable. You know what I'm saying? It, well, it, but, but that's that's the problem that I have though is that fundamentally bad baseball is never acceptable. I don't care what level you're playing in. I understand these guys are going to be inconsistent on the mound and at the plate. They shouldn't be as bad as they are defensively. They shouldn't be as bad as they are running the bases. And I know what you're saying about giving Rick Renteria a pass, but the thing that aggravates me about Rick Renteria is that he never has a consistent lineup every single day. You're going to say, oh, well, lefty's going today, so Moncada, you're going to hit seventh today. This guy's a leadoff guy with a good eye, or he's not, right? He needs to learn how to hit right-handed in the leadoff spot against left-handed hitters, or he shouldn't be hitting right-handed against left-handed hitters. Stop moving this guy up and down the order. Same goes with Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson, by the way, is a guy that I think we can worry about a little bit. His discipline at the plate has been better this year, but the guy can still cannot consistently cover a fastball, and that worries the hell out of me. And, and you know what? I think he's actually – it's funny because you, Renteria drives you nuts, and I know he gets under my father's skin, and I keep trying to say, I'm just going to give this a year, and then I'm going to get aggravated with him. Anderson drives me nuts. I yell about him all the time. Okay, but you brought up a lot of interesting points there. First of all, Mankata with the righty-lefty switching at the plate, either make him learn how to do it on both sides or tell him he's always got a bat left-handed. And Anderson, I think, has lost – the confidence of Renteria. When you start seeing Leori Garcia move past him in the lineup, when you start seeing where he doesn't run out a, a, a play and Renteria goes nuts on him in the dugout, I think that I think at least Renteria is aggravated with Anderson. I think he's gotten tired of his act and goes, What are you doing that's so special that we can feel you know that that you're contributing to this team? He's been up there too long. You put him and Mancada next to each other, they have the same stats. Mancada's in his first year. 
Anderson's been up here for a while now. This is, I mean, he frustrates me. Oh, he frustrates the hell out of me. You can tell that Moncada's working on things and he's listening to Jose and starting to get more aggressive early in the count, and I think he's going to be fine. Tim Anderson, to your point, has been up here too long, and the thing that aggravates me the most about him, he is the first one to tell you how great he's going to be. He has used the, oh, me and Moncada, we're going to be like Jordan and Pippen, and I'm going to be a special player, and I'm this and I'm that. I'm tired of hearing about it. The dude went through some personal struggles last year. I understand that. But you're a professional. You're paid to be a professional. You've got to put some stuff aside, go to the park, and do your business. And so far, he has not done it consistently. And I keep hearing from all the White Sox people that they're, they're not wavering from the plan. He's going to be our shortstop of the future. I hope internally they don't actually think that. They don't actually think that we are stuck with this guy for the next four years because we sign him to a contract. He either does the job consistently or he doesn't because on a winning team, he wouldn't belong. No, and that's what I keep trying to say, that that you can look at the positives of, hey, he might have 25 home runs this year and steal 20 to 25 bases, and that's that's pretty good for a shortstop. But you're you're just searching for stats at that point, I think, when I, when I see people talk about that. You're, you're talking about a team-friendly contract. You're talking about the fact that you now are playing this guy that you just drafted who can't strike out in the minor leagues already, and he's already ranked as your fourth best prospect, according to MLB.com, that you just got, okay? And you're working him not at his position at second base where he played in college. You've already moved him to short. And that's the indication to me that the team is starting to realize he might not be the guy. I think the biggest indication to me, and I would love this, I don't know what your opinion is of it, but I've been saying it now for a little while, I'd love him to drop a dump truck full of money on Manny Machado's lawn in the offseason, shock everybody, and and all of a sudden you have like a shortstop for the next you know eight, nine years that's going to sit in the middle of your lineup, and you don't have to worry about that because you've got all kinds of payroll to play with. Do you think that this team would do something crazy in the offseason, even though they're not ready to compete yet, but grab a guy long-term because he's there and available? I go back and forth on that. I got like the angel and the devil trying to convince me of both sides. It, you know, the easy thing to say is Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't spend that type of cash, but he has. I mean, when he signed Albert Bell, that was the richest contract in Major League Baseball history. Now, it's not where it's going to be for Manny Machado. Albert Bell wasn't making $300, $350 million like Manny is, but he's getting old, too. So I assume that Jerry, who's, what, 80, 81 years old, he wants to see a winner before he dies. And if Manny Machado is, you know, half as good as we think he's going to be playing shortstop on the south side, then I think what a morale booster that would be for the fan base, right? Where it's like, hey, we have another year where maybe we try and sniff 500 and then the real fun starts. But you'll start to see people coming out to the ballpark to see that because now we know we have committed ownership who's ready to go and not just talking about payroll flexibility. They're actually paying off on it. Well, I think that would be like a really fun thing to see them do. I mean, me realistically, I see uh, Jimenez coming up, getting the Chris Bryant treatment where they wait for a Super 2 status to disappear, and he comes up in like mid-June. If you went out and you got a guy like Machado, and I think a guy like uh, Zebi Savala, who has been moving up very quickly, and he's he's already past Zach Collins moving up in the catcher ranks, you see him move into the platoon in catcher, and he finds his way in there, and and you start to see a guy like... uh, 
I would love to see Kopech come up, but I'd like to see him in the bullpen, like the Chris Sale treatment, because I don't think he has enough pitches to be a starter yet. But if you want to, st- if you if you if he checks all your boxes and you want to bring him up, fine. But I think you'll start to see a glimmer of this team next year. But I don't see the reason to rush and try to get your your glimmer of hope now. I think you're just you're you're cutting your nose off to spite your face by going out and doing it. And I don't know if the expectations for Kopech are realistic, too. I mean, we have sort of all of our hopes in this guy that he's going to be, you know, the right-handed Chris Sale and just blow people away. I think White Sox fans are reaching for that, too, because what they see right now with Giolito and with Lopez is disappointing. And I know Lopez has had his moments, but the thing that concerns me about both of those guys, really, is that not that sometimes they can be wild, even though Giolito really has that issue this year, is that they're just not really striking guys out. So do they have the stuff to compete at the major league level where everybody is striking guys out? That's all the game is right now. So what are we talking about with Giolito? He's a hot prospect. He should be better than this. And he's just a contact hitter, at the, a contact pitcher at this point. That doesn't make any sense. And so I think White Sox fans are a little concerned with that. And so they look at these prospects and say, wow, they better be good because what we're seeing right now isn't set necessarily setting the world on fire. I don't know if you want to hear, here's my craziest White Sox story of the last year. I went to Australia in November, okay? And it was just a boys' trip with a couple of college friends because one of them was out there and, and he's in the Air Force. He's like a lieutenant colonel and he's on loan to the Australian government. So we, we like planned our week, our yearly thing. And I was like, I want to go to Australia. For some reason, Erica said, sure. I, 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 I This is all going to come back and haunt me one day. So we, I went out there. You walk through Sydney, Australia, there are White Sox hats everywhere. It is the, How is that possible? I'm going to tell you this right now. I walked by a sporting apparel store in Brisbane, and I walked by a sporting apparel store in Sydney. And in both instances, there were only four ball caps that were in the window that were American sports teams. They had the Red Sox, they had the Yankees, they had the Cubs, and they had the White Sox. And the, and, and actually, the one in Brisbane didn't have the Cubs hat in the window. And I walked in. I'm looking around. They don't have any other baseball teams. Those are it. And every time I walked up to an Aussie and I said, hey, man, you like the White Sox? Like, I'm walking around in my Sox hat, like, all proud. Like, man, it's like Soxville. They, they, so this is where we're at. We're, we're in this little tiny section on the south side of Chicago. And then Australia loves the White Sox. None of them know who we are. It's it, it, it is a sty- it's a fashion style hat over there. Yes, that's because they have the best looking hat in the in the business may i may i offer an an unpopular opinion and see what you think about this sure enough with the 83s i i understand there's a certain thing about them i get it every sunday do we need to do the 83s if you want to switch it up and you want to have some sort of different retro uniform every single sunday more power to you but even some Sox fans i've heard suggest that we should go back to the 83s on a permanent basis the Sox have the best uniform in baseball including their road gray, which they rarely wear because they're always wearing the black top. 
You know what? I, I got to tell you, I agree with you that we have the best uniform in baseball. I do. I love the I when they went to the to the back to the 59 pinstripes. OK, because remember, it was just a it was just ridiculous where they had that silly cursive C. If, you, if you're walking yeah. around in the silly cursive C hat, you're just trying to be a hipster White Sox fan. You're like, I'm going to have that one hat that nobody else has. Well, good for you. I don't have that hat. OK, I, I lost it and I didn't feel like going out and getting another one. But I, I you're right. It is unpopular because I like wearing my 83 jersey around. I, you know, I, I, I silently stalk Ron Kittle. I have sent him a message every week trying to get him to come on to my show. Um, I've been sending him pictures of random photos where me and him are in them together saying, Ronnie, it's me. Will you please come and, 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 and come on the Socks in the Basement podcast? I have like this affinity for, for 83, and I don't even remember it very well because I was five. But, but there's something about those uniforms. Like, I remember the 85 team and the 86 team and the 87 team as a little kid going with my dad. And I feel like they're marketing just to try to get butts in the seats right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think no, they'd be throwing I, as I much 83 it. stuff out there if the team was really good. To me, nostalgia, though, only goes so far. I'd rather them celebrate what they are now, which is, you know, over the last 30 years... They, because they used to switch uniforms every 10 seconds because they just had bad-looking uniforms. But they have stumbled upon something that in itself is timeless and beautiful, and it's almost like they apologize for it and can't wait to put on the 83s. Yeah, you're right. I mean, think about it. You're right because in, 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 in respect to the fact that I'm on the other side of the world and people are walking around in Yankee Red Sox and White Sox hats, and they don't even know what they are. They, they, it's just a sweet hat. And they're and I'm like I'm like White Sox fans and they're like huh I'm like the hat yeah, you I have that, that's, I get I actually get that in Columbus too because I'll wear my White Sox hat and it's like it's like a thing I guess right when you see another White Sox fan you have to just point and say hey go White Sox or whatever right and most of the time it's like hey man I just like the hat and it's like all right screw you sorry <laughs> I thought we could sit and have a conversation about Dan Pasqua but yeah. I guess not I just thought we'd be friends but obviously no we won't be friends. <laughs> <laughs> what is that though? It's like you grew up. Even if that were the case, if they grew up rooting for the same baseball team, like we're just going to stop whatever we're doing and go grab a beer together. I would hey, do I that. I don't know you. You don't know me. You may have murdered someone earlier. I don't know. But you used to watch uh, Scott Fletcher like I did. So let's go have a beer. Isn't it crazy though when you when you're not in Chicago? If you see the rare White Sox hat or the White Sox fan. You, you right away, like, you want to walk up and have a big conversation with them. And you don't know who they oh, are. absolutely, especially if you're, like, in one of the touristy places. You don't know if you're going to wake up the next morning with, with you know, in a, in a bathtub full of ice and a note that says call 911. You have no idea. But you're just like, well, he's got a hat. He must be good. He must be good people. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, though, you get back here, there's some interesting, interesting little subculture things going on around the ballpark now. There's an entire section in the corner of the outfield that just has like their own t-shirts and like, and they communicate with the players back and forth. It's a little sliver called the section 108 that's down by the, by the right field foul pole. Yeah, every 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 team does something like that now, right? Where like the Mets, the Mets fans started that. I forget what they they call it out there in the outfield. Yeah, but this wasn't organized by the team. It's just like this happened with like the the fans it was like some organic weird thing. I, I I invited them to come on the show. Erica's very nervous. I'm having strangers come in, but once again, they're White Sox fans. I'm sure they're totally fine. They won't rob us and kill us. I'm sure. By the way, one yeah, that's that's a lie. One more thing too. My little <laughs> plea to White Sox fans is that just because. Nicky Delmonico is attractive doesn't mean that we should keep him on the damn roster if he can't hit. <laughs> Look, I'm a, 
I, 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 in, in the words of Costanza, I say this with a staunch record of heterosexuality. He is an extremely handsome man. But let's not pretend that last year what he did in limited action is going to be what Nikki Delmonico is. I don't think that's the case. <laughs> hey, before we get out of here, there's one more thing I wanted to ask you. If you could rattle off just off the top of your head, guys that are currently on the roster that you actually will think they're that you actually think will be part of this team in two to three years when it's actually contending. If you had a handful of guys that you actually with the mess that's out there on the field, who do you honestly believe would still be on this team? Oh God, it's not long. Uh Mancata. I think they keep Jose Abreu around because he's a good influence on the younger guys, the younger Latin guys. Uh, I don't think Avi is, and that could be it. Wow. Who am I I missing? You know what? Shame on me. The best player on the team, Laurie Garcia. (laughs) (laughs) You you missed Rodon. Rodon's going to be on the team. You missed him. Oh, yeah, Rodon, too. But you know what, though? I don't know what he can give you over the course of a full season when it comes to starts. Is this guy damaged goods? Is he always going to be hurt? Because if he puts it together, he's got wicked stuff. He doesn't have, like, Chris Sale wipe you out stuff, but that slider's pretty rough. But can he stay healthy? I don't know. Man. It's like I, it's like I, I, you're a roller coaster of emotions. One minute I'm excited, next minute I'm laughing about the fact that like we got the best uniforms and and screaming about the White Sox and getting angry and having my Southside Little Man complex come out. And now at the very end here, you got me worried about Carlos Rodon and his health. Thanks a lot. Don't, don't White Sox fans kind of have to think about that? Though? I worry like, I about all of it. To, I worry about the I, whole I, I thing. I was listening to um, the Chuck Garfine White Sox Talk podcast before the season started, and they were talking about Nate Jones, and they were just like, oh, yeah, Nate Jones, he's great. He's going to be a closer. And I'm thinking to myself, what are you watching yeah, I never with thought Nate that. Jones? I never thought Nate that. Nate Jones can't stay healthy. Forget about what he does when he is healthy. Nobody doubts that he has great stuff. The dude can't stay healthy. If you're relying on Nate Jones for anything, you're out of your mind. I just, I assume that the entire universe is going to screw us over at one point. (laughs) (laughs) That's Mike Riccardotti. He's a ray of sunshine coming out of 97.1 FM, the fan in Columbus, Ohio. Thanks, buddy. I really appreciate you coming on and doing this with me. Good to talk to you, buddy. Another show is wrapped up. Another show's in the books. Another show is wrapped up. And then by the looks, it's going to be a good one. And we'll see you next week. And the nude is basement. And the nude is basement. Another show is wrapped up. Another show is wrapped up. Another show is wrapped up. And it's in the books. Another show is wrapped up. Another show is wrapped up. And by the looks. It's gonna be a good one. Nudie's basement. Oh, broadcast. Basement. The Nudie's basement. The broad basement. Slancha. That was like Dropkick Murphys or something, right? <laughs> I felt like it. Socks in the Basement. <laughs> Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.